0: Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, an evolved perspective on life with dogs.
1: Well, it's all right, Riding around in the breeze, well, it's all right, if you live the life you please, well, it's all
0: right. Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Great to be here today, as always. Excited to talk with Tracy Hotchner about the Dog Film Festival, which is returning to the Seattle area three times this year because she had so much fun with us last year. Welcome back, Tracy.
2: Thank you, Julie. I not only had fun with Seattleians, is that a word, Seattleians? Seattleites. Seattleites. Seattleites oh my god you guys get to be called Seattleites but I just fell in love with you and your wife Darcy and I'd like so sad that I can't be back to be there physically this year but I know, it. I know you guys are going to hold down the fort at the admiral I think you're going to go to the second annual right
0: we are going to go yes the West Seattle one I think is the one that we will be um, heading to and you'll be at uh, U District, the Varsity Theater, July 16th. You're going to be on Bainbridge Island, July 23rd. And then West Seattle, August 6th. So lots of opportunities. DogFilmFestival.com is the website. It was a blast. We had a theater packed with people and dogs to enjoy uh, two separate films. And tell us about what are, are they all the same or are some of them are, are all of the um, locations this year in the area the same shows?
2: Well, we're trying not to make people too crazy, but, I mean, by confusing them, that is to say. But I, I just really want to give a shout-out to your local private independent theater chain called Faraway Entertainment. Because mm-hmm. these people are a real treasure. And if anyone doesn't know the difference between a mall, you know, sort of multiplex, right. and a private, you know, struggling just because nonprofit anything struggle and right. art houses. They are so amazing and are letting dogs into every single theater, which is really gracious because that's not normal. Right. That's not their usual. So those of you that bring your dogs, please make sure if Julie's there being a master dog trainer and you have a problem, don't ruin her day by making her come over and break it up. You know what I mean? <laughs> bring a dog who is really well mannered and thinks the idea of going to the movies with his friends, both two legged and four legged right is going to be really fun the reason that we're going to be in three places is because last year we were there on gay pride weekend which was awkward because a lot of people were going to that instead of to this and the ones who wanted to come to this were worried that they wouldn't be able to drive or park so we're avoiding that conflict because people should all have their own celebrations at the right time mm-hmm. and so a lot of people miss the first year program so At the Varsity in July, the Varsity Theater in Seattle and on Bainbridge Island, they're going to get the first year program for those who missed it last year, or maybe they only saw one of the two programs. Mm -hmm. So that's called the first annual, and it has two different programs. Each of the programs totally different from the other. But what you're going to see at the Admiral in August is the second annual, completely new programs. Again, two programs. So... If you wanna really you know, immerse yourself, you do need to see both. Of course, we could point out that next year, the second annual will come to the places the first annual was. So worst case scenario, you could see the other one next year at the places. Right. the Right. No wonder people are kind of, huh? But it'll work. I mean, any place you go, there'll be dogs and people and pretty cool movies about dogs. I, I change it up a little this year. I'll be curious to know what you think about the idea last year was a medley. It didn't have any particular theme to the movies that I that I kind of melded and curated together. Right. All of them are dog centric. All of them in some way celebrate the relationship between dogs and people and their animation and narrative, you know, with a script and a director and actors and documentaries. So this year, at the suggestion of a theater manager in Chicago, he said if you themed the collections then people would be more clear about what they were coming to see. Mm-hmm. I, I actually think that those of us who are dog mad, it doesn't matter. If it's dogs, we're good. But if you want to like break it down into themes, the first one is called Outdoor Adventure with Dogs. So everything is something happening with dogs outside. And the other one is called Who Rescued Whom? And it's more about kind of rescued situations. One of them is a a a lovely movie, a documentary made called Love Unleashed. And it's all people with older dogs. I know you've Mm. been really great at bringing older dogs into your life. And Mm. in some cases, these people, their dogs simply had become old. And it's all about the appreciation of those older critters, you know, what what we can give them, what what they can give us. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, for, let's say you have a, a significant other that, isn't as dog nutty as you are, I would say go to Outdoor Adventure because the the main movie in it is 54 minutes. It's called Mystery of the Arctic Cairn. And it's about these Norwegian adventurers in the Canadian Arctic with a four dog team trying to recreate some ancient explorers mapping of the whatever the northernest point in the world. And it I mean, it just looks like one of those National Geographic extraordinary, you know, landscapes with polar bears and white wolves and yeah, and mussocks and stuff but if there's dogs but dogs aren't the most central thing i thought we should give people a little break you know there's only so much of that emotional intense dog thing that that we can take um you have recently or maybe it's a secret no done it's not a secret you've already talked about it Yeah, a little bit okay so so tell a little i mean I, the reason i'm asking is because everyone might have something in their life that they think is worthy of making a film about a little story about a yeah. little intentional so tell I mean it not that everybody gets to hang out with Temple Grandin for a couple of days but maybe they have an old dog who you know does something incredible or has a relationship with their autistic grandchild or I don't know there's so many great stories you don't have to be a professional filmmaker yeah well it's sort of yeah of it.
0: one of the things that was so great about I didn't know exactly what, what we were gonna get but I knew there was something and I knew we should just try to film as much of it as possible because, um, you know, just because of the unique opportunity to spend. Yes. And two entire days with Temple Grandin. And, the um, you know, and it was based in the event of the Vashon Sheepdog Classic, which is a local event that I've been involved with for the last several years. One of my favorite events, uh, uh, Border Collies Herding Sheep on this gorgeous setting just west of Seattle, really celebrating uh, one of the. Quintessential examples of the the working relationship that we've had with dogs over many thousands of years, and then this year we brought Temple Grandin out as part of that event, and as a result of that, I spent two days with her, and um, you know I had four separate interviews with her during that time that were sort of sit down interviews, and then otherwise it was her and I, you know, on the ferry, in the car, at dinner all that kind of stuff. And and I was kind of asking, why am I so inspired by this woman? Like in anticipation of her coming, why am I, why does she light me up so much? I don't yes. have, I don't have a connection with autism personally. I certainly appreciate her work and advocacy around that, but you know, I don't have a, a family member or anyone close to right. me. And And of course I appreciate her work on with animal behavior, but that's not what, would cause me to have this very strong personal, you know, ah, like, why am I so, you know, and, and I've seen, see her do this to other people, you know, we're walking, really? th- walking through the airport and people come out of their cars, oh, you know, can we have a picture, you know? Really? Oh, yeah. I'll
2: be darned.
0: Yeah. And well, I, what
2: what do you attribute it to? You're a psychologist, so to speak. Well,
0: for me, I can speak for myself. And I think that um, other people, this probably resonates for as well. But her she is as unique as they get I mean as far as people on the planet she is is a, is a very unique individual very brilliant her you know Time magazines one uh, one of 100 most influential people in the world is in that 2010 right? oh yeah wow has made a massive difference in the world both for animals and and humans and um, but her her brilliance and and sort of the vehicle that she um that kind of has her make such an impact is the way that she's different and ah. and so for me somebody who's uh, you know grew up as a and she had a, a heck of a high school I mean she said a high school was a nightmare for her you know she was bullied she was teased she's you know called names and all this kind of stuff and i think especially for young people um this this society and culture is certainly in our country at least um it doesn't really make it safe to be different and i felt that as a kid also um you know being not looking like the other girls not really identifying with what i saw how women are supposed to look on in magazines etc
1: mhm
0: mhm and temple in her I mean you want to feel a strong presence be in her presence because she is a real powerhouse but her she's so celebrated her uniqueness and her differences are so celebrated she gets to she just brings who she is authentically and I really uh that, that was so inspiring for me and being with her I felt like um, not that I need the permission, but like it created space for me to be fully who I am authentically. And and I really think that we just as people should celebrate people's differences because that's where their gifts are rather than uh, targeting people who are different and and, you know, bullying them.
2: Very interesting that you say that about yourself. Obviously, you're a long way from high school now, but in meeting you now, I, you come across to me as an incredibly grounded, secure, strong, clear-minded, like you have carved out your place on the planet and you carry it with you Mm
1: -hmm.
2: as a person, as a presence. So the way you describe her is the way I experienced you, Mm -hmm. but obviously you had to go through evolutions to get there because everyone's hates being a teenager yeah you don't hate being a teenager you You must have been drunk the whole time because it's (laughs) really not fun
0: no no and it is it's part of I mean it's part of a healing process but it also you know it's what motivates me to to speak about these things is because I was there and I don't want anyone else to have to go through that kind of thing you know
2: Mm -hmm. that makes perfect sense I'm I'm just curious about Temple Grand and not having met her and, and not having the sense of awe that you do. Certainly respect. Yeah. I didn't know she had been considered the 100 most influential. Wow, that's excellent. Um, certainly the Claire Danes depiction of her
1: yeah.
2: in the TV biopic was some beautiful, luminous piece of work. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just so baffled um, not to seem at all snarky, but but all these books, so many books, I mean, an endless number of books, be they novels or memoirs or nonfiction uh, that come out with Temple Grandin's quote on the back, every single one. I think anyone who sends her a book that touches on dogs or animals and animals around us, she she's right there. She reads them and gives a nice quote. And I'm always struck by the fact that her area of expertise and fame and her professional um actual calling was to make a more efficient flow of slaughterhouse animals, in particular cattle, Mm -hmm. into the slaughterhouse. So that isn't to speak ill of her or to have a judgment, but she really wasn't like the touchy-feely, we must take care of the baboons in the jungle. She was using her own experience, physical uh, discomfort in the world to apply that towards the management of getting cattle from a feedlot or the range onto a truck and then down a chute and into a place where they'd be killed mm-hmm. and make it more efficient perhaps more comfortable for the animals but the end but the animals weren't paying her the slaughterhouse was paying her to make it more efficient and have better outcomes for the meat mm-hmm. Did, is that does that ever does that enter your consciousness when you're thinking of her as this um, Presence for animals or voice for animals.
0: So what motivated her and what motivates her is the suffering aspect of it. The way that she was able to get attention from these men in the 70s and 80s was because it would save them money. I see. But her, her in her, you know, to her core is actually a very uh, caring, nurturing person. However, her affect, you wouldn't, you wouldn't feel that she's not a stereotypical nurturing, right. um, you know, she's, she has a, uh, she's, you know, can be loud, harsh, uh, a ha- edge, you know, very, and very, f- uh, forward. She's of extremely strong presence too. Um, so, and that, you know, that's very typical of aut- autism. Um, oh, interesting! In her actions, she is extremely nurturing, extremely giving, uh, sensitive. It's just that you, uh, for for those of us not on the spectrum, we it would she wouldn't read as someone who has that care or sensitivity. And I learned a lot about autism through her because I really had I was pretty ignorant. I mean, I I was just like you know, does she? experience humor you know i mean just right, dumb right dumb Could questions eye
2: contact? dumb yeah. questions some stuff that we learned from one magazine article yeah, or
0: exactly or just you know it's like well and then also you know it's it's really very much like trying to um imagine or or wrap your brain around your verb verbal processing brain what it is like to Have a brain that is a sensory processor, not a verbal processor. And that is animals. So as much as people, I'm sure, you know, you with all the people that you've talked with through Radio Pet Lady Network, um, dog talk and all the shows that you do there, people are wanting. I wish I could feel what it's like or I wish I could get in their head. I wish I could, you know, and the whole Process leading us up to that inquiry or curiosity is is run by a verbal processor so it's you know so temple is really like trying to you know uh i got some insight a whiff of insight into what it's like to actually have a brain that doesn't process verbally it processes for her her primary sense is sight very visual um so she experiences the world much more like an animal in some ways and that's why she's been able to make such a difference and understand well you can't have a flag flapping you know 50 yards away Mm -hmm. because it's going to freak them out
2: Mm -hmm. and and so she's able to have a natural empathy just it's a hardwired dna empathy for what a more a less verbal a a non-human language person a being not person experiences the world as
0: yeah, you put her in a in a shoot that she's, you know, that you're trying to move cows through, and she's going to see it like the cow would see it. And there would be lots of things, a, a chain hanging over the, right. the rail that we wouldn't mm-hmm. even notice necessarily.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, what what was her take on the, uh, the sheep herding event? Was there anything there that she... Any comments that she made that that she saw it differently than we might or experienced it differently than we might? She loved it. She loved
0: the the Vashon sheepdog trials. It was her first herding trial that she had been to. Uh, She likes that style of herding, which totally makes sense because the dogs are taught to be very respectful of the sheep. It's a very sort of soft, balanced movement in open space. Um, a, a lot of thought and depth goes in between the, you know, the, the the people who are working with the dogs that, you know, they're taught to respect the sheep, etc. Kind of herding that she doesn't like, which totally makes sense, would be like the, the, the when the, they're just ramming the cows through a straight chute, you know, right. harder breeds like cattle dogs that are going to actually just, you know, kind of jam them through. That's and that's her whole deal is they don't want to move in a straight line, don't jam them through. It's much more efficient and easier oh, on I the see. animal, right?
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. so she I get loved it. it. She loved it. And by the way, I never thought about the fact that, that sheep herding dogs do work in circles and, and in a kind of an alignment with the animals, whereas cattle dogs and I guess healers. They're meant to nip at the heel and and be more aggressive and assertive towards the the much larger animal.
0: Yeah, larger and moving with, uh, I think, more resistance because of the setup.
2: Right. But do those Australian cattle dogs work on an open range as well? And then do they work more similarly to a sheep herding dog?
0: Uh, No. So the Border Collies and Kelpies have what they call scope. So they they'll actually the sheep. There's a uh, like five sheep six i don't know five or six hundred yards away and the border collies get sent out from from the handler's side and they you know glide along the you know it's beautiful the ridge yeah i I actually went to one in
2: vermont they're really nice yeah they're cool
0: and then come up from behind the sheep and and then lift them back well the cattle dog for example wouldn't even think to look that far
2: no kidding
0: yeah I mean, it wouldn't even occur to them just because it's not how it's not how they are bred to work. So they can herd sheep in in, you know, when the sheep are right there and move them around in circles, you know, and 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 herd more like a border collie. But there is that scope aspect and probably some others as well. They're just they're built differently. They're not built to run long distances like that. They're built for, you know, more powerful bursts and certainly to, you know, to go all day for sure. But. So there's actually it, di- different herding styles within herding breeds.
2: Not that anybody has the time or the resources, but it would make a really nice movie, just saying, if, you know, somebody was to do a documentary about these sort of subtleties because dog-crazy people would be really mm. interested, yeah. you know, to see a little taste of that breed working that animal and this breed and that terrain working that animal. I did get a um, a submission called Raise for Rewards, but it was very, it was it was a little like a combo of like Disney slash ordinary. There were no surprises. See, that's the problem when you're trying to film something. And I'll be so interested to see. Well, of course, you were filming a human and, and depicting a whole human relationship. But it's, it's interesting when there's something that would be so visual as working dogs with, with flocks and herds of things mm-hmm. to, to learn from film. Because we are so visual, right? I mean, we take in words, but we're also really visual Sure. to see that in action. But a kind of shop and compare would be really interesting. Mm -hmm. I, I have seen when they're teaching young dogs, and I've probably seen that in some filmed version or other that I can't remember which one, that the young ones, the good ones, even the good ones, I should say, they have to be taught not to bother the sheep, not to try to bark at them or bite them right they even though they're theoretically taught to go around them and push them that way just with their own body language isn't that true that you have to be sure when they're young to keep them from being barking or, or being too aggressive towards the sheep
0: well there's definitely training involved a lot of it has to do with genetics and i am no professional herding trainer um, no i don't but i have doesn't, doesn't
2: come in handy in, no. in Seattle.
0: But I have, um, you know, talked very closely with um, the the, the event coordinator, Maggie McClure, who is a professional um, trainer for herding breeds, um, specifically Border Collies and Kelpies. Um, So genetics plays a huge part in this. So the kind of dog that you get just genetically. um, And then taught as a young animal, as any young animal, I think would learn, how to handle impulses, how to right, ma- manage right. one's own energy, yeah. develop yeah. one's own style, and to work what Temple referred to um, a lot as she was observing, you know, the, the flight zone. So how close do I need to get as a dog to this group of sheep before they will start moving? Once they start moving, you let up because you right. you've gotten them moving. If you push too hard they're going to start running away from you. And so there's right. this whole right. dance of how close do I need to get to you how, and 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 really maintaining an ideal distance based off of how the sheep are responding. And the sheep know when a dog is how like if a dog has a really strong presence, the dog doesn't have to get that close. They're like, "Okay." It, <laughs> if the dog maybe isn't very confident or just ha- doesn't have as big of a presence, the dog will actually have to do more in order to get the, sh- the sheep to move. Cause so they can very sense.
2: Interesting. Yeah, that's true because it's sort of like your foot on the, on the accelerator pedal. Totally. Once you get them in motion, if you overdo it, they're going to spin out, so to speak around a curve, if yeah. you will. But also once you have an object in, in motion you have to keep them in motion but in a steady way because if they stop again you got to start all over again right
0: or you don't want to right you don't want to push too hard and that i mean they'll jump fences and stuff if you push them too hard they'll freak out and you know jump over a fence or something so so it it is it's there's a lot there it's really interesting um so so back to your dog film festival and we're talking with tracy hotchner via skype and you're you're in Vermont, one of my favorite states.
2: Yes, indeed.
0: Yep, um, I'm going to get
2: you here before long. Although you oh, have other wh- obligations at home, what with the goats and the pig now.
0: I know. Who's not, not- mentioned?
2: dogs. I know?
0: So, um, so you. This is your you've your second year of of touring around the country. Correct. And um, I'm curious to know, and to, to mention if you're just. If you're just joining us, uh, the Dog Film Festival was was in Seattle last year, right around this time, actually. And this year it is three different locations, three different dates. Uh, The Varsity Theater in the U District in Seattle, July 16th, Bainbridge Island, July 23rd and uh, Seattle again in West Seattle, the Admiral Theater, uh, August 6th. And uh, there's two separate shows. So there's a three o'clock and a five o'clock, I believe. And those are two different shows. So you go to the first one, you take a break and go to a, you know, bar, whatever, hang out, take your dog for a walk and then come back. And then there's a second show, entirely different lineup. What now that you're kind of getting in or, you know, you're in year two, um, was there any like what have you what's your perspective on this from like when you were first heading into year one?
2: Well, I had no idea what to expect, Julie. I didn't know how many people would show up for a brand new thing mm-hmm. that, that they would go, oh, a dog film festival, that sounds great, but what is it? Yeah. And it's a very fair question because I invented this peculiar little niche, which is, it's not a traditional film festival. It doesn't happen over multiple days with multiple choices of films to see. Mm-hmm. It's sort of on a platter sort of like you have column A is one show and column B is another and you definitely want to taste it all. But I didn't know how many people would have the confidence or the faith or the courage. They didn't know me personally. You know, they didn't know my radio shows or books. So who the hell is she? They didn't know or care what my sensibility was, what you know, how much of my imprint would be on this. So they just came. And I I was very touched that that many people had that sort of, all right, I'll throw my hat in the ring and see what it is. Mm -hmm. And then they were so moved by it. In places like Seattle where they were allowed to have dogs, I I wasn't sure how much of their intense emotional experience was the thrill for them of having their dog in the movie with them. I totally did not expect that. I thought it was just like a fun gag, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Oh, no the people who brought their dogs came with an absolute determination to have the best day of their life. Mm. They were absolutely waiting, like, I don't know how long, to have an experience where they could take their dogs to the movies and have it be about dogs. So that was a big surprise to me. And unfortunately, in a lot of places, the theater simply can't allow dogs. They're either concerned about the popcorn and the health code, which is pretty, you know, loosey-goosey, or it's an old theater with not much legroom. mm mm-hmm. So there's no place really comfy for the dogs to lie down. But the other thing was to see them come out, people come out in a kind of a trance is the only thing I can say. Mm -hmm. And it was very, I was humbled by it because I knew a lot of the movies were really moving. I've seen them dozens of times and many of them still make me choke up. Mm -hmm. I'm such a patsy. Other (laughs) ones still make me laugh.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And that other people are choked up and laughing and come out in this sort of altered mental state where they've really experienced something profound for themselves was was pretty surprising. And I I realized this was not just an entertainment, it wasn't just a fun outing, that it really had gravitas Mm -hmm. for people. So I've been very mindful of that without being pretentious in the next films that I chose. Mm And many of them are lighthearted and fun and just easy on the eyes. But it was interesting to to realize that this really does matter to people a yeah. lot. And they and they came out actually in Seattle. One man had, I think, one or two newfies with him. And he said, this is great. When will you be back next year? And he was still wiping his eyes. I'm like, golly, that's great to know that that's what you're already thinking, because the idea is that it's something new and wonderful each year. And it's like opening up, you know, a pinata. You hit it and see what falls out.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I, I guess what I've learned is that to be completely confused as to why some places I've been, there hasn't been a big turnout. And with, you know, modern culture, is people are so barraged with messaging that how do they take it all in and re- realize when July 16th is? I mean, I didn't even know today was Wednesday, for I real. Know, I know, I know. <laughs> so, you know, it's like how, how you have to be. And also people yeah. are unaccustomed to going to Sunday matinees with or without their dog. Yep. Many of them are totally unaccustomed to going into a movie theater. This is a very new experience, which is funny for me, having been in the film business and written movies. And there's barely a movie I don't want to see on the planet, old, new or what have you. But for a lot of people going into a movie theater, at a certain time, in a certain day, and planning to have to park or get there by Uber or walk wherever they get there and make sure the dog peed first if they're bringing in their dog, it's, it's, a, it's a big deal. And so the fact that they're willing to do that and they can find the time to do that and put it in a calendar, which they, unlike me, they don't have a calendar anymore. It's all in some sort of a device. I think it's incredible. So the idea is just to keep bringing it, you know, bring it. And if it's good enough, they will come. Yes and no. In the modern world, there's an awful lot, you know, fighting for people's attention. Yeah. So I'm really grateful to you for being a a wind beneath the sails because otherwise it's really, I guess the worst feeling for me was for people to say, oh, I had no idea. I so would have come. Right. Where I've been like, oh, me Because we spent so much time on Facebook and yeah. in every location we have a, a different nonprofit that benefits from a, from a portion of every ticket. For example, Bainbridge Island is Kitsap Humane Society and the Barks and Recreation Group that's there to make the island as dog friendly for those with and without dogs as they can. And they're very devoted and very, mm-hmm. you know, adamant about that, that uh, mission. And then at the Varsity Theater... Well, at the Admiral, we have Furry Faces Foundation, and they're such enthusiasts and so excited. And the Varsity in Seattle, oh, God, shoot me, I forgot to write down some great humane society. Each of them has a wonderful humane society that is helping to promote it and sending out posters and flyers and having a table and in some case bringing adoptable dogs to the theater. And even with all that, and the theaters are doing a great job. I mean, Faraway Entertainment is taking the trailer that we made to use online and they're putting it in theaters between now and when the film will be showing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, I have a grown-up trailer up against, you know, Hollywood movies. Yeah. So that's kind of a thrill. So it's really, it's definitely a journey and you need to have a very thick skin because you know, whether people learn about it and choose not to come or they can't come or they at least it's one of those things, at least I know, when they come, they come out in this kind of spiritual state, if you will. Yeah. As they've been well, to some kind of a revival meeting or something. I'm yeah.
0: Like well, it's awesome. We have to go to break, and um, uh, and then we've got a, an interview with Hope Animal Assisted Crisis Response after wow. this. Um, dogfilmfestival.com is the website. Three different locations here in the Seattle area, July 16th, July 23rd, August 6th, two in Seattle, one on Bainbridge Island. Definitely check it out. It was awesome last year. We can't wait to see it again. Tracy Hotchner of the Radio Pet Lady Network is the uh, in the driver's seat behind this thing. <laughs> and um, uh, you're not going to be here this year, but I know that we'll see you soon. And thank you so you much will. for being on the show.
2: You absolutely will. And all the best to you. All right. Thanks, thanks. Julie.
0: So we'll be back in just a few minutes uh, with animal uh, HOPE Animal-Assisted Crisis Response.
2: Underdog, underdog,
1: underdog.
0: Looking for an easy way to give your dog's food a boost in nutrition? Or maybe your dog has a sensitive digestive tract, itchy skin, or is just a picky eater. We've had such great success feeding St. John Creamery raw goat's milk to our pack, and I recommend it to my clients all the time. You can get raw goat's milk for your dog all over the country, but if you live in Western Washington, be sure it's St. John Creamery you reach for in the freezer section of your local independent pet supply store. You can also pick up your milk at drop locations around the area. Visit stjohncreamery.com to learn more. That's S-T johncreamery.com. Your dogs will love you for it.
2: This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to the Ananda Institute of Living Yoga, we cover the world of animals. This week, July 2nd, it's Shelter Rescue Sanctuary and anything that helps our animal friends Sunday. We'll check on Missy's Pet Rescue and Animal Talk. We'll find out how the new executive director of Homeward Pet Adoption Center is doing. ...other interviews, plus we'll check on the Ananda Institute of Living Yoga. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Eric,
0: people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only
2: imagine.
0: Oh, yeah. Dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities. You name it, and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? Host at DogRadioShow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes. Host at DogRadioShow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living <laughs> in the future. Tell your friends about Alternative Talk 1150. And now, back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Stay away. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, and we are back now with Melanie Dunbar, who's the president of Hope Animal Assistance Crisis Response, and I was connected to this organization through an article that a friend of mine sent me about the recent landslide up in Oso, which is north of Seattle, and how they had some uh, teams there of comfort dogs and So I got connected with um, Hope and Melanie, and here we are. Melanie, welcome to the dog show. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, so, you know, uh, I just thought this as a sort of very specific type of therapy dog um, and kind of talking about the wonderful work that you do in in hard work and powerful work, uh, you know, helping workers in... And people who are around these disaster areas or crisis areas, and providing comfort to them. Um, but tell us a bit about hope and kind of this this um, you know animal assisted crisis response industry. How long has it been around?
3: Okay, hope um, got its roots in about 1998 um, when our founder Cindy Ellers. Responded with her um, therapy dog, Bear, to a school shooting in Colorado
1: mm-hmm.
3: at Thurston High School. And she responded with another therapy team, but realized out of this that um, to be able to be ready to respond to crises and disasters, that both ends of the leash, the dog and the handlers, needed more training mm. than what therapy dogs um, are provided and also required special qualities, too, above and beyond what a typical therapy team would. So, she really was the forefront of the development of animal assisted crisis response and the training that prepares teams for that.
0: Yeah. And so, just to clarify for listeners, because this is something that people get confused a lot, and I just sort of brought this up in the world of assistance dogs and guide dogs in our last segment. Because people say that it's a therapy dog or it's a service dog, and this, sort of those things are interchanged. And they're right. two completely separate categories. Well, there... And
3: that's an exciting thing because, like, uh, animal-assisted crisis response is kind of a, a whole different
1: thing,
0: right.
3: too. Um, because in their other work, like, our dogs all have to be therapy dogs um, for a year before they become eligible to even go through the screening process. Mm-hmm. So separate from that, but also, yeah, a very different role from the other dogs we see out there, whether they're search and rescue dogs or service dogs, yep. detection dogs. So people often ask a lot of questions and kind of um, have a hard time wrapping their mind around it because it's a newer field, even though as Hope, we have been around almost 15 years.
0: Yeah. So what is the, you know, as we talk about, and I think this is particularly interesting for me, the, you know, therapy dogs are where people, you know, have their dogs and they go to like a children's hospital with their dog or like a, um, uh, like senior, um, like visit like seniors in senior housing or like nursing homes and go and, and, and have like a sort of therapeutic interaction where the person and their dog are a team and they're providing the sort of service to not to use that word, but um, to someone else as opposed.
3: Absolutely. And um, in those situations, like uh, my my partner, Gus and I, we do hospice work. We volunteer to rehab hospital.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, we have been part of uh, grief programming locally Mm -hmm. in terms of our therapy work. um, But therapy work is pretty predictable. We go to the same places. You know, there's not a lot of unexpected things happening necessarily. You know,
1: it's
3: a place that we're familiar with. Usually we have support from staff there. Mm -hmm. Um, The travel is very, you know, limited um, generally to get there. It only lasts a maximum of two hours. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: So very different from the demands of crisis work which could be traveling by various modes of transportation when we were at hurricane sandy we traveled on a, a emergency response vehicle because they weren't letting vehicles in they were limiting the amount of um, cars and trucks that were going on to the areas. yeah we rode on an emergency response vehicle so our dogs have to be prepared for that they have to be prepared for the stimulation that they encounter we expose our dogs to all kinds of emergency equipment mm-hmm. um, and emergency personnel. Um, we do a lot of training with fire and police and things like that. So our dogs are used to that, um, the sounds, the sense,
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, all of that, the visuals, so that they're not don't um, become overly stressed in that situation. It becomes, you know, more routine to them. So we spend a lot of time on, working on that through counter-conditioning, desensitization, things like that, because Mm -hmm. we are always taking care of our partner, and we don't want them to be overstressed.
0: Sure. And And then
3: also in terms of working with the people, you have a higher-level intensity of emotion.
0: Well, I was going to say, you guys have to probably go through extra training yourselves to be familiar with the sort of scene in a disaster-type situation.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we do a lot of psychological first aid training, mm. um, which we're kind of the front lines there. We're not there to provide counseling. We're there to provide comfort and support to these individuals affected. Yeah. Um, you know, we're that intervention, or we can be that bridge, too. You have people who open up when um, you're, they come in contact with your dog and start talking about what's going on, and being able to support them in that yeah. is important. We help our handlers be comfortable dealing with people in those traumatic situations
1: mm-hmm.
3: and then also you have people who just want to hug your dog and aren't ready to talk and that's okay too you mm-hmm. know so being where they are and working on that on the handler and, and also helping the dogs too in terms of um, just getting used to that different intensity level and and um, being prepared for that so mm-hmm. yeah we, we spend a lot of of time working on that each team has to be screened it's about a two and a half hour test evaluation that they go through and at that point then would go through our three-day certification workshop which is really intensive there's a lot of training on working in the incident command structure and like i said working with folks in trauma and crises also us taking care of our dog handling skills canine stress management yeah things like that, that we need to be much more on top of. Uh, But we also do a lot of hands-on stuff. We do a fire exposure. We do an airport TSA exposure. Um, During the course of that, there's a lot of hands-on engagement to practice the skills as well.
0: Yeah. And I think it's important to, you know, point out that you have a screening process for dogs who are already therapy dogs. Right. And that, I assume, there's a reason in that, not all dogs pass the screening process, you know, oh, that it's there for a reason, and that there's a lot of reasons that a dog who might be a wonderful therapy dog won't is not cut out for this kind of work.
3: Exactly, exactly. and that is not a negative reflection. It's just yeah, um, for example, I'm training my second dog right now. And if it was too stressful for him, I would not want to put him in that situation. Right. That's not fair right. to these dogs. Let them do um, and the work at the level that they're comfortable with yep. and shine at, you know. So that therapy work is so important. But, yeah, you need a dog who is easily um, resilient yeah. to the stressors and stimulation, who enjoys kind of that more stimulating, chaotic environment, yep. Um So a whole different thing, because um, if they get overwhelmed, it's hard for them to do their
0: job. Yeah. And And even and even those dogs who 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 are great, a great fit for the work, you know, you still have to be sensitive to them because it's still stressful. And so, you know, I'm sure that there's things that the teams do to kind of take care of your ability so that it's sustainable because anybody can burn out.
3: Absolutely. We stress with our teams, both, like I said, at both ends of the leash, um, in terms of taking breaks, Mm
1: -hmm. pacing
3: yourself. We have team leaders who are folks without dogs Mm
1: -hmm.
3: who kind of take care of the teams and will say, okay, you and Gus need a break, you know, and direct you to kind of set that because your dog will want to keep working, and we want to keep working. You know, that's your natural instinct. Yeah. So, having to be really vigilant to, to take those regular breaks, and we're constantly watching our, our partner for signs of stress yeah. so we can intervene. We know our dogs inside and out, and they know us inside and out.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So, we have to watch their stress and then watch our own because obviously they feed off of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Both the dog and we are feeding, you know, are absorbing the um, emotions of the situation. Yep. So, being very on top of that to remain effective.
0: So what do you do in your breaks, for example, like to, like, especially kind of from the perspective of to relieve the dog, what sort of things do you go play or just go for a walk or just hang out and be quiet? Or does it probably depends on the team?
3: Absolutely. It depends on the team. We have some who, it's a game of, of ball. <laughs> yep. We have some who do nose work. Mm.
0: Um,
3: I have a very non-drivey dog.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> so He just wants. Some down and cuddle time and just, you know, a little quiet, you know. So it just, it does depend on the team.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: a lot of times we find because if we are even visible, people want to engage with our dogs. Right. So we, so we often find we really have to remove ourselves, um, you know, to be able to get that.
0: Yeah. So. Um, now, where. Um, actually, let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk more about the work that you do. I'd love to hear some stories. Um, you have you know, teams all over the country, some of the different um, specific disasters and crisis areas that you guys have been to. And we're talking with Melanie Dunbar, who is the president of HOPE Animal Assisted Crisis Response. The website is hopeaacr.org. And you can find them on Facebook. We're talking about animal-assisted crisis response, which is a different level of sort of therapy dog training where these dogs and, and handlers are going into um, disaster areas or crisis areas like school shooting kind of thing um, and providing... Melanie, how would you word that of providing comfort and support? Or how do you you know how do you word that?
3: Our actual mission statement is that um, we provide comfort and encouragement through animal assisted support to those impacted by crises and disasters. Mm. We are the that you know that emotional support in these situations because everybody else has their role. We're just another niche, yeah, and need you know in these situations whether it's those affected or first responders. Mm -hmm. so right now we have 154 teams in 23 states we're getting ready to start our next workshop certification cycle so that will have us grow even more Um, on our website you can also see our eight eight seven seven number anybody can request our services they make that phone call um, and get connected with us
0: okay and um, your organization is all volunteer
3: Correct. We are an all volunteer, including the board. The officers our regional directors who manage our five regions in terms of operations. Mm-hmm. Um, our Pacific Northwest regional director has obviously been very busy recently. Yeah. Um, so these people are very dedicated and do it just out of the passion yeah. for the work we do, yeah. you know. And it's just so inspiring to me to work with these folks who are who are so dedicated.
0: What are some of the um, like national? Um, types of like disasters or crisis situations that Hope has been to? 9
3: um, 11, uh-huh. um, we had four teams that responded to that. That was at the very beginning
0: yeah. um,
3: of what we did because we actually became incorporated under the name at that point, even though we'd been around since 98. Um, so, and also the 10 year anniversary, we had teams go back. We had two dogs who actually responded. Back when it happened, who were able to come to the 10 year anniversary, which is exciting. Mm. But unfortunately, all of our dogs who responded have now passed away.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but we, Hurricane Katrina, we responded to um, the Virginia Tech shooting incident,
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, Hurricane Sandy, the Washington Navy Yard. Recently, we spent seven weeks involved out there. Mm. Um, and the loss of the 19 firefighters in Arizona. Mm-hmm another example and sometimes we pull in multiple regions for big responses like that because some of them stretch out like we've been involved since march 23rd in washington here um and are continuing to respond currently so teams have been rotating in and out we've pulled teams from the pacific southwest region and the rocky mountain region as well to respond to meet the need so we did that with these other large-scale call outs as well yeah So it's amazing just to see the response of people, and it can be anywhere from that deep emotional release to just bringing a bright spot in the midst of all Mm -hmm. the stress and trauma going on. Mm -hmm. Um, We really saw that in hurricanes. When we responded to Hurricane Sandy, we responded at the FEMA centers, and also as they reopened neighborhoods, we went in. We had partnered with the Salvation Army at that point, And we went with the trucks that went around with the food and the drinks and the cleaning supplies Mm -hmm. and were able to bring a bright spot to some of these folks that were assessing their homes um, and having to get rid of almost all these belongings that had been there for generations. yeah, since most of the homes had been family-owned over several generations. And so sometimes it was very emotional, and then sometimes it was Gus doing tricks.
0: Right, (laughs) right. he yeah. A
3: response, and we were able to help connect. Like people came out to see the dogs, and then went and used the the resources of Salvation Army. Got a drink, got some snacks, right? Got work gloves, trash bags. You know. Yeah. So, and I've really seen it also with we've done a lot of um, military response. Um, we responded to Fort Dix when they had uh, eight battalions returning, which was the largest since 1941, mm-hmm. and. We were there with the families waiting, you know, because it's hurry up and wait and things keep changing. Right. Several-hour process. So we were there with them. And then also when the troops actually came in. So that was really awesome on so many levels
1: Mm -hmm.
3: to be there to support the families. And we became obsolete for the ones that had families waiting as soon as,
0: you know,
3: they returned. But then we had a battalion that did not, was not local and did not have families bringing them. Uh Uh-huh. So it became really amazing um, to watch the dogs connect with them and then just get the sense of mm. that comfort and connection and affection, you know, that um, to welcome them home. So yeah. that was neat. And it's amazing. We say our dogs have seeing hearts. And that crowd of 6,000 people over the course of that, it seemed like, you know, our dogs know who needs them.
1: Mm.
3: And part of what we train is letting them do the work. You know, you can't train
1: that mm-hmm. temperament
3: or that desire, but they seem to know you know, where the need is and, and who needs
0: approach. Well, I'm looking at your website, which, again, is hopeaacr.org. I'll post a link to it on our homepage, dogradioshow.com. And you can also find them on Facebook, Hope Animal Assistant Assisted Crisis Response. And I'm looking at all of the photos that are scrolling through on your homepage. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's there's all different types of dogs purebred mixed breed little dogs big dogs and yep. you know what you just said um you know there's the training and then there's what you can't train and that it's it's really these dogs that have the heart to do the work and and you know in this specific way and um it's just like you said I mean how you're really speaking to that these dogs know what they're there for
3: absolutely and yeah. it's just uh, you know without sometimes even telling them or directing them, sometimes we just have to work to not get in their way. Yeah. You know, they know what they're doing, and it's amazing to watch them mm. interact and provide that comfort, and we just support that. And, you know, it's it's just awesome. I'm excited. We're doing our Eastern Region Certification Workshop the first weekend in May, and I just love that to watch these new teams develop and, and you know, them learn the ins and outs of this and to watch the dogs blossom and you know, um, it's so exciting. So,
1: mm.
3: like, my dog is, is a mutt. He came from a rescue, and um, I knew I wanted to do therapy work with him
1: mm-hmm. because
3: of my profession. And then it was just amazing once we started doing it and I learned about this type of work, I really saw, you know, the the gift that he could bring to that, you know. So, yep. yeah, it's just we, we see these dogs that are just, that have that special heart for it.
0: yeah. So I'm seeing, um, you know, of course, some Goldens and Labs and then, like, Jack Russell.
3: Absolutely. We have Newfoundlands. We have Chihuahuas. Yeah, I see some Shih Tzus in there. the whole gamut. <laughs> cool. never know, too. What, we need all kinds because you never know what kind of dog is going to sure. draw somebody in, right? Yeah. So if you, you know, some people like small dogs, and some situations are more appropriate for that. Yeah. For Sandy, obviously, we took... Mostly larger, furrier dogs because it was November, yeah, and it was on the ocean, and it yep. we, were, we were outside for six hours at a yeah. time.
0: Good job for a newfie.
3: That's right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I
0: wanna.
3: Well, I wanna golden chow mix. He absolutely just loved it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Was, it's, like, this is on.
0: my so, kind so. of weather. All right. We well, wouldn't
3: send our greyhound or a chihuahua right. into that necessarily. It's always right. looking at what's the right fit for the situation, the need, and that's what our regional directors kind of do. They assess when we get a call. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what the needs are, what is being asked for, because that's what we always want to say. What do you need from
0: us? Yeah. Well, we are out of time, Melanie, and I want to make sure I give out your website and give out all your information. So if people are interested in getting involved or supporting your organization, again, it's hopeaacr.org. I'll post links to it everywhere that I can. You can find them on Facebook. Um, Such great work. Of course, as you can hear, I could sit here and talk to you for hours longer, but unfortunately we don't have it. Thank you so much for your time today and just sharing your stories and the wonderful work that you do. And again, hope org, And thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. listening to the dog show with julie forbes wednesday afternoons at 2 on alternative talk 11:50 a.m never miss another episode listen to our podcast online at dogradioshow.com or download them for free on itunes or soundcloud